Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor, Georgia. With me here today, the sport, the spoke queen, my mom. Oh yes, I'm wearing I'm wearing my spokeswoman um, t-shirt, which has a bike on it. Mm-hmm. And ordinarily, at this time of the year, it's it's kind of fun on on Facebook because I see all the past ones. Ordinarily, this time of year, I would be riding my bike. From San Francisco to Los Angeles over seven days, camping every night mm-hmm. um, for AIDS Life Cycle, which raises money for um, AIDS re- research and support. And um, I'm not writing this year, but I'm feeling the vibe because in my memories every day, I've been getting pictures from past um, uh, life cycles. The picture today you'll appreciate was me with the um, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, ah. with four of them in big old headdresses, total makeup. Um, and for people who aren't familiar with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they are based in San Francisco. There are groups in, in L.A. It's a drag queen troupe, right? It's a drag queen nuns. <laughs> um, and they they do white makeup with very um, stark things. And they have headdresses like the old um, flying nun headdresses. Oh, the habits. The, yeah, the habits. And, and, um, and they, they come... On the first day and on the last day, um, on the first day they hand out strawberries on Devil's Pass, Devil's Slide. Um, they hand us strawberries as we bike by. You don't stop; they just reach out and, and you grab your strawberry, um, which is great fun. And um, on the last day, they on the the uh, sixth night they come and we have a um, vigil on the beach for everybody who's passed of AIDS. Mm-hmm. So that was on my feet today. So that, therefore, I'm wearing my my spokeswoman. Uh, t-shirt. Now, do you think you'll be able to... No, they obviously didn't do the ride this last year or this year, obviously, because of the COVID. Last year, I did ride all 545 miles. I actually did some bonus miles. And I have this year as well. But you're just not actually doing the trip. But not doing the trip. Last no. year, last year I did it over a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, I've just done it, done um, 21 miles a day. Mm. Yeah. So, But do you think that you'll be able to get to it next year? It's already it? scheduled. There's, we've already got dates. Yes. I'm all excited, so I'll, I'll be back out there um, fundraising. Nice. Yeah. Because um, I can remember actually like picking you up at the end of that of those uh, of those there and taking you to a nice luxury hotel to kind of you know enjoy yourself for a day because you had been camping for the last week. Yeah, it was marvelous because after having five minutes in a fire fire shower, which is mm-hmm. what we get, the showers are in a semi truck. And you get your five minutes of hot water, and it, it's um, you get a, a kind of semi-private stall, but the dressing area is uh, very open. Very open, which is fine. Um, uh, but um, after getting your five minutes of hot water, you have arranged for me to have a whirlpool bath mm-hmm. um, at the end of the ride, and that has been. And we've and we've gone out to dinner at Ruth Chris and and mm-hmm. had a really nice meal rather than me having to stand in line, cafeteria style. And you often got, like, the veggie because that was the quickest thing you could grab. Well, I actually got the veggie because it's the only way, because I fast from meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. Mm. And you either go all vegetarian or you go all meat. They, you, it's a band. Yeah. It's very controlled because because there's there's 3,000 of us total. Yeah. 2,200 2, riders and 800 support. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's huge. Oh, yeah. It's actually the largest fund, single fundraiser um, in the world. Um when you take into account how many people uh, participate and fundraise. Per capita. Yes. All right. Cool. So. My favorite per capita is 
my, or my favorite per capita story is that if you go back to watch, and I love this movie, and I love this little, like, 15, 20-minute movie when it was there. I always wanted to watch it every time we went there. So in Disneyland, there was Captain EO. Oh, I love Captain EO. Which? Not anymore, but 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 I did. Oh, Angelica I still love, Houston? still love it too. Angelica Houston, Michael Jackson. Well, no, still, I meant it's not there anymore. It's not there anymore, no, but um, it, it did get a revival for a period of time. Okay. Um, after Michael Jackson's death, they brought it back to the theater for a number, almost like almost a complete decade before they eventually uh, replaced it with uh, something else. And it was a lot yeah. of people were very upset when it left, myself included. Um, I actually have both the 3D version and the 2D version. Oh, wow. So, so you I, have your own glasses to watch the 3D? No, because the, the, the effects don't work quite as well on a LCD okay. TV, unfortunately. Um, but I have the movie still um, uh, on my computer, and, I ha- and so it's very easy to... And, and there's been a lot of recordings of it over the past year, couple of years as well. Yeah. Um, but if you if you look into what it... You know, in theory, what it finally cost to make that movie per minute, you know, because it's only about a 18-minute long movie at the end of the day. Uh-huh. It cost nearly $26 million to make, because you have to remember... Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola, you know effects by George Lucas and and you know uh, the his workshop here, Skywalker Ranch and um, Industrial Light and Magic. Magic, yeah. Starring Angelica Houston and Michael Jackson, like like you almost couldn't make you know you almost couldn't have like a bigger blockbuster sort of like thing at the end of the day for for like ten minutes or what is it? Again, it's like an eighteen minute long movie. Eighteen. Yeah, um, or it's, it could I mean, actually it could be a lot shorter here. It might even be almost like twelve minutes or something too. I, I admittingly don't know, but one of those things we do have is the internet. Well, okay. So while you look that up, I'll tell you my favorite um, uh, statistical thing. You and I have stood on top of the largest pyramid in the world by volume, and and that is that is a pyramid in El Mirador, which is in uh, Pitan, uh, Guatemala, and um, it's a huge Mayan site. But this pyramid is massive. Now it's not the tallest, but it's the largest by volume. It has several decks on it mm-hmm. um, as you climb up it, and you do climb up it. And I climbed up it for uh, Worldwide Knitting Day, and you took a picture of me knitting on top. I re- do remember that. And I climbed, you climbed up first, and I took a picture of you from one of the platforms lower down, mm-hmm. looking up, and then um, you climbed down first and took a picture of me. Yes, I do recall that. So yeah. Captain EO, 17 minutes long, budget of $24 million. So at the time, until Avatar, it was the most expensive movie ever created per you know per minute. Per minute, wow. So... Which I think is really cool. That is cool. It's uh, great. I, I, you know, one of the many wonderful things about Disney. Absolutely, and that, and again, for its time, twenty three million. This would have been back in like nineteen eighty, like seven when it when it when it debuted here. So they were so. I'm sure if you took that up to today's numbers, it'd be like almost eighty ninety million dollars. Yeah. You know. Inflation. So actually, speaking of Disney, uh-huh. we're going to go back to Disney Plus. Okay. And we're going to be watching this week Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Cool. So to get us ready for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we'll do a 
recap of who these people are, where they're coming from, and some of the major differences, obviously, in their comic book origins and their uh, Marvel incarnations. Um, so let's start off with the good guy. Let's start off with the Falcon. Um, now, a lot of this, we're going to talk about Captain America, but we're not actually going to be talking about Captain America. Um, both the Falcon and Winter Soldier are very integral to Captain America, Steve Rogers here at the end of the day. And, and, and I think I've mentioned before, I he is my least favorite of, of the, the Marvel characters. I find him so serious and kind of dour and not warm. I, I, I see him as being a lot more serious. He's obviously the dad of the group. Um, he, he, is, he, he is the conscience of the group. Mm-hmm. Again, what I find, what's interesting about, I think, Captain America here at the end of the day is that he is a soldier at the end of the day, you know? And as a soldier, you're, you know, especially in his case where he was Captain America, he's supposed to be the best human being amongst all of them here, this beacon, symbol of hope at the end of the day. I can understand um, from a certain vantage point here where you would need to be quite so serious and quite so um, maybe dour and, you know, heartless. But what I find very interesting throughout... I find him judgmental. It's also very judgmental, too. I mean... I just say, yeah. You wear America as your literal part of your name, and you wear the co- you wear the flag as your costume. costume like, yeah. you, you do send You do tend to lose a little bit of your personality and humor there at the end of the day. That would presume that you had a personality. Beyond, you know, greatest greatest human being ever. Yeah. Um. But again, what I've, again, this has been kind of an interesting Stark, uh, or in, to speak about Tony Stark as well, an interesting notion at the end of the day is that um, Steve Rogers, who has been nothing but a pure soldier, you know, in order for him to be his best, he needs to get a life, you know. And again, there's, a, again, um, and then Tony Stark here, who is this full of life and bubbly energy, you know, and it's just like the life of the party everywhere he goes. Has a sense of humor. It has a sense of humor. Does appear to be warm. Okay. Yes, he does. Has a kid. Has a kid. Um, in order for him to be the best person ever, he has to actually sacrifice himself and be, or to sacrifice himself in order to do that here. And then make a point of saying that here in the first, you know, movie at the end of the, at the first Avengers movie. When you actually get, you know, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark in the same room, you know, it's like, you have no, you know, Tony Stark makes a point of saying, like, you're just a test tube thing. You're not, you're not anything. You don't have anything at all. And then, you know, Steve Rogers says, well, like, you're not the one to make the, the play, the major play of the day. You're not the one to make the sacrifice at the end. And again, it's by the end of the end game here, you actually get the flip. You know, it's like, you know, Tony Stark is willing to make the sacrifice and makes, you know, the ultimate sacrifice to do what would be theory, the ultimate good. Um, but, and then... Steve, uh, in contrast to that, um, he makes the ultimate, you know, he basically gets, finally gets greedy and doesn't return to the present, goes back into the past and enjoys the rest of, you know, the rest has of Has the him. life that he sacrificed. Yeah, he has the life that he, you know, wanted at the end of the day. Well, and the other, the other, so that, and, and ironic, mm-hmm. right? The other great irony I find is in Civil Wars, they they take positions that you don't, 
that I think are are contrary to what they would have been. Yeah. yeah, you would have expected like Tony to be kind of more of the rebel here and not the one that would be like, you know, you know, we need to we need to have a leash on us. Yeah. Versus Captain America, you were thinking, yeah, you know, we should follow the governments here, but he's actually gotten to the point where he's actually been. He's gotten very deceptive, you know, very skeptical and suspicious of governments and thinking that they're actually going to do a lot more harm than good. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. being the most recent example of that. Um, and so, again, I, again, I find, that, again, the Marvel movies have done a great job of being contrarian with their major characters here at the end of the day. Um, and really, Keeping it from becoming static. Yeah, and it made a really good. It done a really good job of expanding on these characters, um, as well. I mean, again, I mean, like the the Tony Stark we see in the first Iron Man is not the same Tony Stark by the time we get to Endgame, and even you know Steve Rogers is not almost not the same person as when he started from, you know, uh, Captain America the first the the first um, the first soldier versus Endgame here at the end. Of the day. They've changed quite a bit over that period of time. Yeah. Um, which I really appreciate at, at the end of the day. So to start us off with, we'll talk about the Falcon here. So introduced in 1969, Sam Samuel Wilson uh, was rescued by Steve Rogers, who acting as Captain America, um, from a Caribbean island where he apparently was being experimented on by the Red Skull. Uh, they fought their way out of it here, and somehow along the way... You know, and this is a term you're going to hear quite a bit here. It's called the Cosmic Cube. It's not the Cosmic Cube. There are multiple Cosmic Cubes at the end of the day. Um, As opposed to the cube that that uh, contains... The Space Stone. Yeah. Which was actually... Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about the Cosmic Cubes here real quickly, actually. Um, so the Cosmic Cubes are... Were, was meant to be that thing, basically, in, you know... Um, the in Captain America, the first soldier, you know, so when the Red Skull goes to the one Nordic place and takes this cube, that's meant to originally be the cosmic cube at the end of the day. Um, it's later retconned to be the space stone, um, in disguise, but the cosmic cubes are almost omni power, omnipresent, sort of like wish granting devices almost. They have the ability to warp reality, control energy and matter to a certain extent. Um, and almost create wishes out of whoever's using it here at the end of the day. Um, and the reason I say there actually can be multiple cosmic cubes is because there's been multiple cosmic cubes over periods of time. Um, basically what you do is that you create a force field that creates a portal to a alternate universe called the, where you have creatures known as Beyonders. Oh, Okay. Which again, hopefully, never comes up in Marvel because in the MCU because it's already confusing as itself on its own. Um, you suck out some of that power, you know, it takes the form of a cube. Sometimes it can take form of other ge geographic, uh, geometric shapes, excuse me. Um, but typically, they're cubes. Um, and typically, they're sought after by people who are not, you know, spectacularly super powered here, you know, like. You know, typically by people who don't have superpowers at the end of the day at all. Um, so again, like the Red Skull, uh, Doctor Doom. Although Doctor Doom has had kind of kind of it's kind of a cool sort of he's a he's a dictator. He's kind of like Iron Man, but he's also like a mad magician at the same time. Like he's a really cool villain that we'll see one day. Okay. No clue when, but we'll see him one day in the MCU. 
because um, they are making a Fantastic Four. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know the details of it here. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Movie Bob who has a really, really great version of what the um, Fantastic Four movie could be, which you know I don't think they'll ever make that version sort of it. Sort of its own version of fanfic. Yeah. So yeah, he literally, literally painted an entire screenplay for like what was the what would be a theoretical Fantastic Four movie. And again, it's it's really, really good on a certain level. Um, the thing fights, all the, you know, a clay version of the Hulk, you know. Oh. It, so, it, the, so it's supposed to be like the puppet master, which is a guy that's kind of controlled people in the past uh, through different events. It's supposed to be the main, um, in Movie Bob's idea here is the main antagonist. Um, and in his like, you know, office space, you know, like in his building that he owns, on the floor, the ground level, there's like these wax clay versions of all the Avengers. And they're actually like robots underneath, and they go and attack the Fantastic Four. So you're fighting, what are these fake Avengers versus the Fantastic Four? And the thing fights the Hulk because obviously the Hulk would be the bigger, stronger one. And I guess I think at the end of it, you know, things like, huh, I wonder how I match up against the real one. Okay, so is it bad that that when I think of Fantastic Four, I think of the cartoon? Nope, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, you're thinking of the '90s cartoon that I yeah. used to watch, yeah, yeah, which is probably again, you know. Not the most accurate version because you would expect because there should have been a lot more bickering with the characters. But again, you can't have that with kids. You can't technically know. Um, you know, the characters were kind of meant to be a little bit more bickering, a little bit like they were a family, but like they weren't like a very good family. Well, uh, lots of families bicker. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, like the same. I agree. Um, but yeah, no, Fantastic Four. I think um, the cartoon again. I think of that when I think the Fantastic Four. Uh, as well, and actually, the Fantastic Four are basis for how I think of characters at all uh, all the time too, because they're very. I like to make very contrarian characters at the end of the day. But the nice thing about the Fantastic Four is they each slide into a nice, neat little slot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. In terms of of the balance. So the fan, so Cosmic Cubes, we'll hear that a couple times mentioned in when talking about both the Winter Soldier and the Falcon here, um, because it. Oddly enough, for whatever reason, comes up quite a bit. Um, so the comic, you know, so as a part of being experimented with the Cosmic Cube, apparently Sam Wilson gets the ability to, to communicate with a Falcon that he owned at the time, known as Red Wing. So that's why he was called the Falcon, and he was protecting over Harlem initially, as a black superhero of created in 1970s wood. Um, eventually. Um, about five years later, he was given a pair of wings by the Black Panther, which then allowed him to fly. You know, so it wasn't until, you know, so it wasn't initially that he could fly initially. It was later on. Um, and Falcon's actually been a very loyal companion and, and sidekick to Steve Rogers. They have numerous yeah. adventures over yeah. the time. Um, there's been a number of cases and times where Steve Rogers has, you know, put down the shield and walked away from the mantle. With the Falcon actually coming in and um, teaching the next Captain America, you know, the person who would take up the mantle to do that at the end of the day. Yeah, and 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 why should he have to teach somebody else? Well, I think the, the context really is, is that, especially in a lot of what would have been like 80s and 90s, um, and I think more a little bit more so as we get to the 90s, there's a lot of times in which... Um, 
superheroes were supplanted by new versions of that same character in some cases. Yeah. Um, so as an example, famously, Batman... So you could modernize him and... Well, not necessarily modernize him, but like sometimes what you would have is you would have, um, as, very famously as an example, um, there's a character Bane that was introduced in Batman. And, Bat- and Bane's most defining feature is that he actually, in the comic books, broke Batman's back. And when he broke Batman's back, you know there was still this huge crime wave going on because they, you know, Bane had purposely just released all these super criminals from Arkham. Um, and as a result here, they needed a new Batman. And so what they, instead of recruiting what would have been Nightwing at the time, um, they actually got a different superhero known as Azazel. Who oh, was I like the, the name. It's a really cool name, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but he is a, um, not a Christian fundamentalist. That's not the right way to describe him. <laughs> Um, he is a um, radicalized, programmed Templar is the best way to describe oh. it. So, Ooh. like, there's, like, a Templar kind of, like, organizational sort of thing. Um, it's, like, the Church of St. Dumas or something of that nature. I don't remember. Or the Order of Dumas. Um, and so he's, like, he's he was trained as, like, a Templar, essentially, with, like, a the broadsword and, like, stuff like that. Um, and... You know, Batman recruits him to be um, the new Batman here, but over a period of time, because obviously he's not a, you know, initially he's a very, you know, stable individual here, and he eventually starts getting a little bit more militaristic and a lot more violent than what Batman initially would have been. Uh, he cre- Initially he creates, like, these gauntlets with, like, razored fingers on them that, like, shoot out his batarangs at... You know, and he, he ends up actually beating Bane initially here as well. Um, but then he dons, like, this full, like, metallic sort of, like, Batman costume with, like, these retractable wings. And it's, like, really bulky. And it's a very um, stark difference to what was the original Batman at the end of the day. Um, because part of, part of Batman's charm is that Batman is human. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas the, I mean, it's part of... Of Tony Stark's charm too, yeah. Because so many of these these are are sort of superhuman. Well, I mean, I think what a lot of the charm of Batman, for me at least, has always been is that Batman is a very much a, um, you know, this omnipresent, you know, planning character that will plan for everything, always get the right guy at the end of the day, you know, a good person but willing to use violent means, you so, know, to do it mor- outside of murder. Morally, morally driven. Yeah, very morally driven. I mean, there's certain cases to be made that he is actually a psychopath. <clears throat> Aren't they all, though? I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. having that kind of power and then also that kind of responsibility. And you see it in Kazam, which mm-hmm. I thought I thought portrayed it actually fairly well, even though it was very campy, um, was, was things have consequences. Mm-hmm. And you need to be, it's, it's part of Spider-Man's decision to back off. Oh, yeah. Um, and realize that he's too young for that kind of responsibility is is you know thing having that kind of superpower sounds really nice until you realize all the responsibility and that you really can't have a life of your own. And Tony Stark kind of manages it with Pepper, but Pepper's pretty tolerant. I would mm. oh, you know, be yeah. that tolerant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, they they have such moral responsibility and and. At a certain point, that takes something away from you. Yeah. Well, I... I That's I, a burden. Well, again, I've always... I mean, <clears throat> I've always thought it'd be, you know... If, 
it's it's a common thing that comes up quite a bit in different stories here. Again, when you see enough stories, you eventually find out like gaining power. You gain power, but you lose something as a result. Again, the go back to Full Metal Alchemist, the law of equivalent exchange. Yeah, you give up. You know, you get something, but you lose something as a result. You know, in order to gain, in order to gain knowledge, Edward loses his brother at the end of the day, and as well as his leg. You know, and in order to get his brother back, he loses his arm. You know, in, or in some cases, you lose something. You know, very emotionally at the end of the day. Yeah, um, and I think that's very much a, a given sort of thing here at the end of the day. Um, I mean, so again, Falcon here. And going back to him, he's basically like the shadow to Captain America here at the end of the day. Always right beside him, working on it, working with him. Um, during the events of Civil War in the comics. Now, um, the Civil War of the MCU is a little bit, is a lot different from what was the, that of the uh, comics at the end of the day. The comics version of the Civil War um, was based around, there was a superhero that, had somewhat nuclear abilities and he blew up taking a whole taking about hanging out his own team and a bunch of other people with him including like 60 some odd children here Ooh, i know yeah it's not not the greatest thing in the world um or not not a great it way doesn't to go sa- doesn't sound nice no um but as a result of that civil war here um or that initial event that kicks off civil war they passed the superhero registration act now, in this case, Tony Stark is in favor of the Superhero Registration Act, um, believing that you need to, you know, that superheroes need to register themselves with the government uh, in order to, so we know who's got what powers and, you know, who to either keep an eye on and, you know, how we can manage, you know, casualties, deaths, and collateral damage at the end of the day. Because, again, you have all these superheroes acting out and basically... You know, yeah, you might have saved the day, but who's repairing whatever it is that you destroyed in the process? Your consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, though, Steve Rogers is against it here. He doesn't like the idea of people knowing who, you know, other people's identity at the end of the day. Um, and doesn't like the idea of the government, you know, thinks the government, you know, again, because, again, by this point here, like, Steve Rogers has been both in the favor of the U.S. government, out of favor of the U.S. government, with S.H.I.E.L.D., out of sight of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, numerous different times throughout the comic book history here, to the point that he kind of doesn't trust, you know, government at all, which would be very similar to how he was in the MCU's Civil War. And and, and, and how real life is as well. I mean, how many, I mean, there have been, been all sorts of documented cases of, of people switching sides. It's certainly the theme in the Bourne movie. Mm-hmm. series of movies is that the that when you're in at that level you see things that you know are immoral or not not, o- not okay and um and at some point that you you act out against it mm-hmm. the, like at a certain point here you have to say enough is enough and you have to you know either you know, work with it or, you know, go completely against it. Yeah. And then at a certain point, you see a lot of people just kind of break and be like, no, that's just how it's done. But you know this is wrong. But this is how it's done, you know. Like, they create that sort of mental um, awareness to themselves that, yeah, I know what I'm doing is horrible, but it's for a greater good, sort of. You know, they make excuses for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, Captain America and a lot of other heroes. So initially, as an example here, Spider-Man likes the, you know, likes the idea of the Superhero Registration Act 
Um, and as basically what would be like the quote unquote hero of New York City here, um, presents himself as, you know, Peter you know, takes off his mask in front of everybody, you know, saying, I've signed up with the, I've, I've signed the register, you know, I've worked with the, I've given up my information to the Superhero Registration Act. My name is Peter Parker. And throughout the course of Civil War, like, he's hounded, he, you know, he loses his job at the Daily Bugle as a camp, as a photographer, which has been one of his big, you know, one of the jobs yeah. that's kept him afloat. Um, he's he's got to make a living somehow. Yeah. Well, he actually ends up getting sued by the Daily Bugle for, um, infringe, you know, for lying to them over the, so many years of taking pictures of Spider-Man when he was actually Spider-Man, you know. Um, he, his Aunt May... Um, you know, his home gets basically burglarized and he can't he can't get a moment of sort of rest at all to for anything and finds out pretty quickly here that, you know Not a good idea. It wasn't a good idea to announce who he was at the end of the day. Yeah. He doesn't have the resources to protect himself like a Iron Man at the end of the day. You yeah. know, because everyone at this point knows that Tony Stark is Iron Man, but you know but he has. He can build a fortress. He can build a fortress. He's got all these different higher security. Armors. He doesn't need to earn a living to to support himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is, by the end of the Civil War, here um, Spider Man actually um, joins up with Captain America. You know, against the Superhero Registration Act, and kind of wishes he could go back. It's not for about at least another two years where he makes a de- deal with uh, Mephisto, which was quote unquote the Marvel Devil, right? To have everybody's memory erased of um of, of who, him of, of who he was of, yeah. yeah and then but the course of that also brings back like harry osborne and norman osborne as well which creates a whole bunch of different conflicts and issues later on which is, is great actually for a comic book fan repercussions keep going and going and going and going because everything has consequences mm-hmm. in at the end of the day that's really what this is all about mm-hmm. everything has consequences oh yeah so a major turning point in um, in the Falcon here it comes in um, comes about seven years ago in 2014. So um, there was an event in which Steve Rogers' Super Soldier formula was neutralized, Ooh. and so as a result of not having the Super Soldier formula in him in him anymore, he rapidly aged to a 90 year old man. Which is how old he really is. Yeah, so he's yeah. like, yeah, he by the time of the comics, he would have been like 90, year, 90 plus years old at the time. So he rapidly aged a 90-year-old man um, and passed on the, the mantle of Captain America to the Falcon. Falcon. yeah. And so the Falcon became uh, Captain America for um, a great many number of years, actually. Um, and even after... And nice, and nice. Nice to have a black... Mm-hmm. Captain America. Well, so he's still got the wings, and he uses the shield and everything, and it's it's a really cool sort of moment here at the end of the day. Um, and the Falcons' stories kind of take on a lot more of their, um, you know, the Falcon stories have kind of always been a little racially charged, obviously by their nature of when they were created in the nineteen seventies, yeah, um, and just kind of who the character is in a lot of cases as well. You know, a lot of people would have a problem with seeing an African American Captain America at the end of the day. In true in the fifties and sixties, true mm-hmm. certainly further back than that. I mean, I mean, it's not so not so true once you get into the. I would think the late nineties, early two thousand, yeah. probably. I think I think there's a lot more. I mean, I think 
For everything the, is right now is racially charged. Everything is kind of, you know, right now I think everything would be very racially charged. Um, you know, and in the comics it was very, that was very much the case as well for a period of time. Um, and um, even, um, and again, so I mean the, how do I phrase this here? I think it's an interesting that the writers decided to dive into those particular topics because I think it speaks to an audience that has not had that opportunity in the past. But, I mean, it's reflective of society. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think it's very much reflective of society. And I think and a lot of this was, a lot of this here is a push from Marvel to, you know, in a lot of cases here, rebrand some of their major characters here. Like, there's there's been a big push in the comic books here to have... Um, newer versions of the characters existing by new people here. So, like, you know, Miss Marvel is a Pakistani girl that's got some powers very similar to Mr. Fantastic in the comics right now. Oh, I like that. And that's something that's going to be coming to Marvel, to Disney Plus here within the next year and a half or so, too. Um, uh, Captain Marvel was supplanted by what was Miss Marvel, and Captain Marvel being a guy at one point here, the mantle moving over to uh, Carol Danvers here as well. Uh, you have a um, you have an African American girl that becomes uh, Ironheart, the new Iron Man. Oh, very nice! Mm-hmm. And you get a couple different characters that get um, you know that new people take over their roles. Again, my favorite one here is Korean Hulk. So I'm I'm laughing I'm, I'm laughing because I I I'm just trying I'm just trying to envision. So. Um, so the, so back in like the early twenty in the early like twenty tens here there they introduced kind of like this smart sort of like Korean kid that was kind of in the background of a lot of stuff happening, uh, working with a lot of other people here. He Bruce Banner as the Hulk attempts to save him from a gamma explosion, but as a result here the powers of the Hulk, um, you know the gamma radiation gets you know taken out of Bruce Banner. And passed on to this kid instead. Uh, and the kid doesn't have the same temperament that the Hulk does at all. He actually can, he actually has full control over his entire human body. There's a great photo of this kid with like this, you know, with this um, electronic wristband on his left arm eating, you know, these noodles, uh, you know, with chopsticks and everything. But it's the Hulk. Well, it's I, really kind of cool. I actually, I, I love the idea. Um, I mean, I, 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 Personally, I'm a big fan of the Black Panther movie. Oh, Black Panther movie is easily one of my favorite movies of all. Oh gosh, it 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 just it's such a lush, it's such so lush and fully um, realized. It's this beautiful Afro futuristic sort of setting where like it's incorporative of not only traditional African society but also this futuristic sort of world and nature and how everything's kind of kept a lot of the spirit and the homage to what was their African culture, architecture, and ideals here. And even their, even the weapons are kind of the same. Like, I love those cloak that are basically just like giant shields at the end of the day, and you have yeah. to actually, like, pull your cloak over to, to create the shield, or um, how it, all their weapons are vibranium, and they have this weird kind of ping when they hit each other. It's all fleshed out. It's all... It's it's it, and and you're gonna laugh at, laugh at this analogy, but it, it it feels to me the same way. I love the Santa Claus because how fully they realize mm-hmm. um, the North Pole. 
Oh, I love the love the Santa Claus's realization of everything. Yeah. So and and how fully fleshed out it is, and how um, again lush is the the word that comes mm-hmm. to mind. And to me, the Black Panther is the same way. Everything has been so well conceived. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just beautifully done. Oh no, yeah. The, the director, um, the director of it, literally said, "Like I get one chance at this here." But and, what, what and, and they let him do basically anything he wanted to, to do it here. Well, what and what I loved about it when it came out was was we we see so many I mean, superheroes are for a long time were just male, mm-hmm. um, and and eventually you got some some uh, estrogen in there, but um, it's very white, mm-hmm. not very white, very white, and you mean our superheroes? Yes. Yes. They're very I, I, white. I was actually talking about this with another one of my colleagues who, um, so there's another series called Invincible and a couple of the characters there are either gender flipped, um, uh, Shrinking Ray, I think is one of the characters. So um, Ray spelled R-E-A, uh-huh. so it's a woman, so Shrinking Ray. Oh, very cool. Okay. Um, there's another character who was very white in the, in the initial comics, but now is more of a... Um, Hispanic origin here, and I was talking about how, um, and no offense to to white people at all, but white people are very boring. Well, it just it, it isn't reflective of society. Shouldn't your heroes reflect your society? Well, not only that, you know, heroes can reflect your society at the end of the day, but I think what gives a lot of room to creators here at the end of the day to say, you know, Heimdall doesn't need to be another white guy. Let's make him Indris Elba. You know, yeah, and everyone, you know, and again. When that when the, that initial Thor movie came out, a lot of people on the of the right wing persuasion conservative conservatives were very upset with Heimdall being, you know, being black. It's like how dare you how dare you change the character here? But like a but good that, a good actor can pull it off though. It, well, not even just a good actor, just an actor can pull it off. You that that guy could have been you know that in other characters in there. One of them is Asian. You know when he was a when he was a white guy here like. You know, anybody can pull off that character. They don't necessarily have to be the white person that it was initially envisioned at. Because, again, when these characters created back in, like, in the 50s and 60s here, like, who was predominantly writing them? White people. And it's not until much later in time where we get more African, Hispanic, Asian, Latino, you you know, Indian, you know, Middle Eastern writers that are able to imprint their own nature of it here. Like, I'm, you know... I kind of don't care in a lot of those cases. Now, I would care a lot more if they, if you took, like, the Black Panther and made him into a white person at the end because it basically takes out a lot of what their character was. But we were... I was talking to him about, you know, like, hey, if they do a Marvel movie here, like, Charles Xavier should be Hispanic. Yeah. You know, like, you, you know, like, you can kind of paint it a little bit where, like, you don't really see it here, maybe, or, like, his, his, uh, his Latino... Doesn't make a, his Latinoism doesn't make a huge difference at the end of the day, but you have to make Magneto German Jewish because that's kind of a, a thing of his character here. You know, you can make um, you can make uh, Rogue, which is this uh, Southern girl from Louisiana, mm-hmm. make her you know make her Creole, make her from you know Haiti, make her you know you know that's a character that you know as long as she's a Southern as long as she's a Southern Louisiana girl. You're fine. Yeah. Totally fine. I mean, well, and, I mean, and there you even, because you have in, in Louisiana, um, a large number of Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, you could even do it that way, too. Again, I mean, they're making a new Little Mermaid, live-action Little Mermaid, and, and, and they're black. And there's been an outcry over that. I don't care. I'm really interested to see what that looks like. I, I, was, I was really astounded by um, the response to that. Astounded and disappointed mm-hmm. um, by the response to that because it just is so wrong. It's wrong. I appreciate that Disney is going in that particular direction because yeah. the movie's going to be a smash hit one way or another anyways. Take a risk and do something different. Well, yeah. and, and, and I mean, you've had Cinderella, white, Belle, white. I, I mean, at what point, it just... Well, again, at what point... It isn't reflective of our society. It's not reflective of our society, and it's not opportunities, you know. Again, these are movies, you know, that are going to make money one way or another anyways. Yeah. Again, one of the things I was really excited about was in Aladdin, all the cat, most, almost the entire cast, with the exception, I think, of... Will Smith are of Middle Eastern Indian, you know, heritage. Yeah. And I think that movie is much better off for that because you give a lot of, you know, a lot of these actors chances to do these roles and you give a lot of credence to what is the location where they're at. Yeah. You know, I am really, you know, I, I in, as a tangent here, I opine that if they make, if they decide to do Snow White, it can't be a movie. It has to be a TV series. Where it's seven it's seven episodes long, and you only follow it from one of the different dwarfs every episode. Oh, I love that idea. So you, like you start from like Doc, and then the next episode is Grumpy, and then you move through like Bashful, and you only ever see what's going on from their I, vantage point. I I want to see Happy's episode because I like Happy. Yeah, but but again, like you don't see. But again, you see. But the entire story yeah. plays out over the course of that like forty minute episode of uh, forty minute episode. Yeah. And maybe you don't always see the ending or you don't always see the parts of the beginning, but you know, when the character's not there, they don't know what's happening in the next room or what's going on with other characters. So you're constantly being left out of events that are happening. And so you don't get the full scope and picture until you get all until you see all seven. So episodes. maybe you have an eighth episode from Snow White's vantage point. Potentially, yeah. So you you know, you might have one last vantage point from Snow White here at the end of the day. Um you know, and I think, and again, I think that would be kind of a cool television series, just on the premise alone. Yeah, big, yeah. big, big outcry at the reopening of Disneyland. Oh. Um, on the Snow White ride, because the um, the prince kisses her at the end ah, while yeah. she's asleep, and she didn't give her consent. I'm not sure how to feel about that. Well, um, again, I, 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 I get why. People have a reaction to it, but it is part of the fairy tale. It's a part of the fairy tale. It's also... Same thing happens in Sleeping Beauty. Same thing happens with Sleeping Beauty again. I mean, like, it's just a... Like, I I, I decry, you know, like, you know, we go back to, you know, people that were upset about uh, Dr. uh, Dr. Seuss family deciding that they weren't going to publish uh, some of the books, which were, A, not making a whole lot of money for them, but B, were also not in line with... The cultural values of the area of the nature, and a lot of people on the right wing were very upset about that happening. The whole cancel culture. The whole. But but the, but the family made the decision, mm-hmm. and as you said, the decision was in part because they weren't they weren't making money. They and, weren't making money, and, and they weren't reflective of what was right. You know, but but yeah. but but to liken it, I'll, I'll liken it to um, when we were kids, the books were see Jane run, see Spot run. See, and and those books, those were the primers that we we learned on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and they were taken out of out of publication because they were dated. Things get dated. Mm-hmm. Not everything is Moby Dick. Um, so you know, a lot of things get dated, and it's okay that they're sort of retired. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have a particular problem with that. Now I think, and 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 I liken that you know to people being outraged over you know the prince kissing Sleeping Beauty at the very end of the day here. Um, I think if you re, you know, I think if we redid the movie now, maybe there's a slightly different context. There's a different sort of element here. At the well, end they of the gave day. Rapunzel a different ending. Mm-hmm. You know, like they gave Rapunzel a different ending. I think she didn't marry right away. Mm-hmm. He, you know, um, they don't even really kiss until like much, much, you know, until like the very, very end. Well, and then Frozen and Anna doesn't get married. Right off. No, I mean, I, I think, but I think in Frozen they were very much playing um, against stereotype intentionally. Um, but I think for like what is Snow White here at the end of the day, you do have to kind of look at what was the original movie in its context at the day. Yeah. At the day, and you know, maybe there's a middle ground at the end of the day. But I mean, like, it's also, you know, it's also one ride in Disneyland. I don't see people finding a reason to boycott the entire ride. Or the or the entire amusement park over that here, and I think that Disney um, wouldn't care if that's the case. Because again, I mean, like people have been claiming to boycott Disneyland for ages and ages and I, ages. Yeah. I I I for example here, I don't shop at Walmart. I don't shop at Hobby Lobby. Yeah, and I I don't shop at Hobby Lobby. I don't eat at Chick Fil A either. Those businesses still very clearly do well at the end of the day, so my boycott of them doesn't really make a difference at the end of the day, you know. But and, I still and I will not buy my pillow. No, I'm not interested in a my pillow. It looks very uncomfortable. Just, just saying. I, I prefer my pillows to be very firm and hard. Yeah. Um. So. Um, back to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Back, back to the. T- we'll call this episode tangents. Yeah. Um. To go back to the Falcon here. Um. At a certain point here, there is a prison known as Pleasant Hill, which houses supervillains. And inside of this uh, prison, they find a cosmic cube there that's taken the form of a young girl named Kobik. Now, cosmic cubes have taken on human forms uh, previously, because again, they they are part and parcel of the Beyonders from the alternate portal, which are sentient creatures in and of themselves as well. Um, and so the cubes have taken on forms before in the past. Um, and um, this was also around the so same... So is it th- like being possessed by the cube? No, no, no. It's like the cube just took on this form of a child. Okay. You know, it's, it's like eight-year-old, you know, little girl. Okay. Um, this was also around the same time that Captain America was dying. Oh, and he's a 90-year-old man. Yeah, he's a 90-year-old man. And the Cosmic Cube actually revives Captain America, returns him back to Prime, you know, like gives him him back his super soldier formula, reverts the aging and brings him back to what would have been his Prime at that particular point. Um, Never mind the fact that... um, So do you remember in Endgame when... um, when Steve Rogers is confronting everybody in the elevator, kind of very similar to what was Civil War. Yeah. And he leans into the one um, individual, you know, says, no, no, that's okay. And he leans in and is like, Hail Hydra. That's right, yes. So he leans in and they're all just kind of like stunned and looking at him like, 
oh, he's with us. Okay, cool. Walk out with yeah. her. And he never has to punch a single person there. Yeah. So that's actually in relationship to what happened here is that um, it's not initially known until almost a, almost two or three years later when Captain America kicks a guy out of a helicopter in the comics and looks at it, it whispers to him, Hail Hydra. And it was a big shock to all of us in the comic industry, in the comic readers, you know, fast. It's like, wait, Captain America just said Hail Hydra? Hydra? Yeah. What the hell? And come to find out that the version that Cubic restored wasn't actually the original Steve Rogers, but what she did is that she had already been brainwashed, she had already been changed and programmed by Hydra and brought back a fascist version of Captain America that had actually been a Hydra sleeper agent. So, so, so has he been sort of, sort of, uh, uh, double agenting this whole time? So once, so at this point here, once he gets revived by Cubics here, this version of Steve Rogers, which I, I call Steve Robert, Steve Rogers F for fascist. Okay. Because okay. I couldn't figure out another term for him here. Well, it is sort of Steve Rogers for fucked up. Yeah. But, you know. Hey. That too. Um, so, like, what ends up happening here is the Falcon actually gives up the mantle back of, of, uh, of the, you know, Sam gives up the title of uh, Captain America back to Steve Rogers as the rightful owner of it here. Um, only for um, years later to find out that, you know, this guy is a Hydra agent. And he actually, you know, this version of Steve Rogers eventually gives up the, the mantle of Captain America once again and it takes on like this leader of Hydra sort of thing here. Um, the Falcon ends up becoming Captain America again for a period of time. Um, and through the events here, they actually go and find, un, you know, the original cosmic cube of Kobik here, because she had been shattered at this point here, uh -huh. piece it back together and then free the original Steve Rogers, who then eventually, you know, comes, you know, gets brought back to his full prime once again. Beats the alternate version, you know, of fascist Steve Rogers, and takes back over the mantle of Captain America once again. Okay, so so let's go back to these cubes. Mm -hmm. These cubes are all powerful and and therefore very dangerous. Yes. I mean, is is there a need sort of all a civil wars to create something that that registers them and tracks them? And so cosmic cubes are kind of on a similar level to Infinity Stones. Okay. Um. Minus the notion that um, they can't affect the soul or minds of individuals, um, and they're not able to um, uh, change time at all, because the Beyonders don't have that. The Beyonders don't have, have those that, abilities. The abilities, okay. Um, but again, the matter and creation and reality warping, you know, the, those are amongst its powers that it has, you know. Um, transportation, teleportation, um, you know. Basically, what would happen if you took the reality stone, the power stone, and the space stone all together? Um, but again, but it's also theorized that in order to be able to even rival an infinity stone, you would need like thousands of them that were all connected singularly together to do it. Okay. So like, so the infinity stones are the, the more all powerful. Mm -hmm. They're thing. more all powerful. Although, than... although they are centered on a particular skill set. Mm -hmm. As where the comic cubes got a little bit more varied power set, but a it's little a bit lot... more universal. Yeah. But it's a lot weaker by comparison. Okay. But it all, this also really does depend a lot on the writers here. I mean, like how much they take either advantage of the Infinity Stones or how much they take advantage of the Cosmic Cubes. But canon here. is canon. And, 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 and certainly in the MCU, you, you have to be 
The MCU, I think, has done a much better job of being consistent about it. And yeah, you have to. You, you'd, you'd have all sorts of outcry if you were uncanonical. Uncanonical. Un- yeah, if yes. you weren't if you weren't canonical to what was the original thing, and I think in a lot of cases, um, it's not really until we see Thanos really utilizing the various you know, stones that we really get a sense of what they can do. Yeah. Um, like you get a hint of it of what the stone of what the time stone does in. Um, Doctor Strange, you kind of understand that like the Mind Stone projects beams, but not really sure what it does at the end of the day. Yeah. The Soul Stone is also again very vague. The Power Stone clearly gives you like omnipotent sort of power in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know. Um, and even the Reality Stone is not well described or utilized or shown in um, the course of Thor: The Dark World here at all. So like it's not really until you get to Thanos that you really get to see what these stones in theory could do um and even then i wager that like their full showcase isn't that isn't fully shown at the end of the day as where i think we're in the comics because you have literally 40 50 years of these comics and these things come up again and again and again they they get reused as tools yeah. yeah that like you tend to find a lot of you tend to find different writers that say oh well when he was using the reality stone he wasn't you know really using the full power of the reality stone at all. No, it has no, no. additional powers. I found additional yeah. powers. There was either additional powers or like he used it in a different way, which was totally plausible versus like, yeah, it's a cosmic cube. It does this, this, and this. And um, uh, yeah, like it's being used at like its full potential, but it's not as powerful as an infinity stone. <laughs> they're so much more powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's a very kind of like straddling line, I think, at the very end of the day here where. You think something is one thing and it's really actually not. And it really all depends. I mean, at the end of the day, from a, from a, if you really want to be kind of a canonical sort of like lore geek at the end of the day, like. Oh, I like that term. Is that an official term? Lore geek? There are lore geeks out there. You know, they run wikis. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Good point. Um, the Marvel wiki, in, in the Marvel uh, wikia, uh, uh-huh. which is very extensive. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, so globally, since we started doing this, how, mm-hmm. how long have we been doing it? Two years now? Almost a little over two years now. A little over two years. Um, globally, I've been amazed because, because I do a little research when I, mm-hmm. when I, um, when we get to the second episode of, of it and all, um, and how many resources are out there and the time and care people have taken. There's a, there's a certain consistency to them. The documentation of it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these wikis are set up the same using a, a format. Yeah, they have the same general template here. Like they have a template for individual characters, individual things. They have the a, drill downs are are pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have common banners for like this needs expanding or um, this needs more citations or yeah. this is a work in progress sort of thing. You know, stuff like that here. Um, but, but they're surprisingly consistent mm-hmm. and and and. Um, you know, you're you're able to navigate them pretty much using the same, the same platform, and um, and the amount of time and effort people have put into this is pretty stunning. Oh yeah, no, and again, it's it's teams of people. I mean, like I've, um, at a BlizzCon one time, I met you know I saw I met one of the guys who runs Wowpedia, uh-huh. which is the World of Warcraft you know Wikipedia article, a Wikipedia thing at the end of the day, um, and. You know, it's not, you know, you know, I asked him, like, well, how many people are on the team for Wowpedia here? It's like, oh, there's like eight of us. Yeah. 
I was like, there's only eight of you guys? Like, well, we get a lot of people. There's eight of us that moderate it, but there's a lot of people that add on to it constantly. And, you know, we make sure that everything is consistent with, you know, linkage and uh, links, pictures, and making sure that everything's consistent with how it's presented on the website here. But okay, people are well, adding in the different quests and well, the different I I, I contribute to Wiki, Wikipedia, especially on El Mirador, because when we hiked it, there are lots of facts missing. Yeah. And um, and and so I contributed to that, and it got accepted. If you ever want the, if you ever want a fun read, and again, this mm-hmm. is an episode of Tangents, um, read the comment section for Michael Jackson's Wikipedia article. It is bonkers. Really? Because every once in a while you'll get a product on Amazon. Um, oh, yeah, no, the, 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 where, where, where people have, have uh, gone bonkers on the reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget, Ivanka had some product on there for a while, and, and, the, and the comment section was, was a delightful uh, mm-hmm. af- afternoon, uh, afternoon read. Diversion, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we leave uh, the Falcon here, Falcon is actually working with a veterans assistance team. Mm-hmm. Um, hospital here and basically trying to help people who have been victims of wars and stuff and he eventually mm-hmm. reconnects with uh, Bucky Barnes um, the Winter Soldier yeah. and that's how uh, the two of them start working together now again um, I think it's kind of well known um, from the comics here that the Falcons primarily got the flight suit and you know the ability to talk with Red Wing but he eventually gets the power to communicate with other birds as well um he eventually obviously gets the uh the shield and so he's very skilled with the shield he's a you know a lot of these humans that don't a lot of these individuals who either have um superpowers from different gadgets tools with them or um don't have any superpowers are all pretty much listed as being at peak human condition you know peak at you know peak stamina Peak, you know, agility, you know, all that other stuff here. Um, in this case here, he's a master martial artist because he's been training with Captain America for literally years, you know, yeah. decades at this point. Um, he's also actually a master aerialist in, this, in the sense that because of his flight and his martial yeah. arts training, he's better at fighting in the air than either Iron Man or even Captain Marvel in some cases, you know. Comparatively. Yeah. You know, also as a former pilot as well, you know, he's got yeah, that thing. So here. he understands airflow mm-hmm. and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the MCU, MCU version of the Falcon is not too dissimilar um, at the end of the day here. Um, I think one of the major differences is that um, still befriends Steve Rogers and still kind of rec- rescues him at a certain, um, helps actually rescue Steve Rogers at the end of the day by keeping him at his house and, and helping him, um, get down to the bottom of the Hydra agents inside a shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his wings are a part of a government program for the Falcon, uh, the Falcon program here that um, basically had paratroop rescue individuals um, in there. He eventually gets a new set of wings from Tony Stark um, after the events of uh, with the Winter Soldier. Okay. Uh, we see him again in Age of Ultron, um, helping out a little bit, um, and then eventually he is a part of the team, part of the Captain America, uh, Captain Steve, Captain America's Avengers, basically. You know, with um, Bucky Barnes, uh, 
Wanda, you've got uh, Ant-Man, and also uh, Hawkeye as well. Um, by the end of Civil War, he's basically locked up, and he gets freed by Captain America. Um, he's there He's there in Infinity War helping out, but he's gone from most of the events after that into Endgame, and by the time we get to the end of Endgame here, he's blinked, he snapped back into existence, or as everyone calls it, blipping. Yeah. He was blipped back into his ex- existence. Um, and when we last see him, he's being, you know, we see an older Steve Rogers passing the shield on to, you know, Sam. Yeah. So, um, and it's not even, and again, the thing here is that it's not actually the same shield at all. It's a different shield. Um, because the, the new shield has a little bit more, uh, indentations in it that look a little more tactical and indentations versus the original one was very... Only just had the rings and yeah. just had, you know. Yeah, I'm looking at yours. Yeah, so you see kind of the different little like kind of shapes in the star yeah. and kind of like little kind of uh, blocked out rectangles along the rings. So a little bit more tactical-ish looking. Um, and then we get to the Winter Soldier, um, which was Marvel's excuse why you don't have teenage sidekicks. Everybody has teenage sidekicks. Come on, what about Robin? Okay, so or at least why Marvel characters didn't. Yeah, so, no, no, I get, I get it. There, there are lots of reasons not to. So Bucky Barnes introduced in, in 1940 was probably about 15, maybe 16 years old when he uh, becomes a Bucky um, at the end of the day uh, to Captain America. Here, both of them are Bucky being um, having lied and lied his way into the military at this point. Uh, the so throughout World War II, they are working together to stop the Nazis, as as you do in World War II. Yeah. Um, it's in the course of where Captain America and Bucky are actually trying to capture a um, villain here that he escapes um, on an airplane with all of them together. And while he escapes, the airplane is plummeting into the ocean. And Bucky doesn't get out. Uh, he parachutes out, but gets caught on the wing. Um, and... Basically is considered, you know, MIA at this point here. He's lost in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, Steve, you know, who's on that same thing, literally dives in to save save his friend. Um, But both of them get um, frozen in the Arctic Arctic Ocean here and get sent into suspended animation. Um, About a year later, the Soviets are actually trying to find Captain America but find, you know, Bucky Barnes instead. And they decide that, you know, well, he was with Captain America, and he is at peak human condition, but he's missing a left arm. You know, so they make him a cyborg left arm, or cybernetic left arm, and reprogram him into the Winter Soldier. And the Winter Soldier... um, Basically, every kind of semi-famous or well-known assassination is... In theory, credited. Like, as an example, the, the Wikipedia article gives the example is like, he's the second gunman that killed JFK. Yeah. You know, so every sort of like major sort of assassination would, is usually kind of qualified under the Winter Soldier having done it um, as a spy here. Um, and even at a certain point here, he actually trains Natasha Romanoff during Operation Wolf Spider. Wolf Spider. I know, which is kind of a cool name at the end of the day, right? Wolf Spider. Um, but he's the one who actually trains Natasha on how to, you know, 
be a fighter and a killer at a certain point here. And they actually have a romantic relationship there as well. Um, as one should. As you, as you can. Yeah. Um, however, as a result of, of a failed assassination mission, it's decided that, you know, well, now we're just going to reprogram them every single time, but we're going to keep them on, you know, suspended. Anim- we're going to put him into cryostasis until we need him. Yeah. So he's only ever pulled out periodically throughout, throughout the years. And it's kind of also to slow down the aging process as well. Um, it's not until, um, it's not until about 2003, 2004 for us, but in the comics here that, um, the winter soldier is being, uh, utilized to, um, is you being utilized to basically steal a cosmic cube from the red skull who's created a brand new one here. Apparently the red skull knows how to, to make them. Um, and as a result of trying to stop the red, to basically stop so the red soul. So there's not a finite number of the of the cosmic cubes. No, they can be. You, again, that's why in theory you could have millions of them out there. It's it's a matter of the technology to get to it, which is very limited and very time consuming to generate and make at the end of the day. You know, because again, you have to create these force fields that allow you to open up a portal to get to the beyonders and then suck out the energy from the beyonders to do it. It's very difficult which is why they're not common, but um, they're kind of more or less more common in Captain America stories for some reason. Okay. Because, you know, again, of the secretive nature, that's where you get a lot of that from. S.H.I.E.L.D. apparently has a cosmic cube. Does it use it? Not that I'm aware of. Were the intentions that they were trying to get one in order to be able to safeguard themselves from uh, the potentiality of it, of, okay. of events like that. Well, if uh, your enemy has one, it's like a nuclear bomb. You want to have one too. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, uh, cosmic cube deterrence. Yeah, there you go. Um, it, but in the process of trying to, you know, in this point here, um, Captain America, Steve Rogers, has also found out that the Winter Soldier is Bucky Barnes. He's been trying to get a hold of him for a number of years. How does, here. How does Steve get found and unthought? Um, Steve at one point gets found. Um, by the initial version of the Avengers, which again would have just been Hawkeye, Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk. Um, so he gets found by them, I think by the second Avengers comic here, um, frozen in ice in Antarctica. Um, and they go and say, you know, and basically they thaw him out and like, he's like, okay, what do we do next? Step to it. You know, uh, but this would have been probably about... Um, early 1960s, 1965 or so, um, when the Avengers would have been coming out at that point here. Because um, that would have been the revitalization of Captain America. Because there was a long period of time after World War II where Captain America wasn't in Marvel Comics. Uh, and even it used to be, you know, that uh, there's only three characters that stay dead, you know, in, the, in, in comic book history. That's um, Uncle Ben, Jason Todd, which was the second Robin, and mm-hmm. Bucky Barnes. Again, in both of those two cases, Bucky Barnes and uh, Jason Todd have actually been resurrected here as well. You know, or retconned to have actually still been alive after the events of their killings. Poor Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. There's, been a, there's been a case as well for Jean Grey to also stay dead for a period of time as well. And she's actually, um, for the longest period of time, actually been dead as well, which is kind of impressive. Almost like 15 plus years, I want to say. Cool. Um you know, which is which is fascinating because again, like Marvel, 
you know, comic book lore as it is, you know, is okay with, re, you know, with killing characters but then bringing them back. It's um, an entire storyline in the DC universe called Blackest Night, um, where the idea was that, like, the god of death uh, was leaving the door open for superheroes to keep coming back as sleeper agents that he could eventually take control over with black rings and make them into his puppets at the end of the day. So we could take over the universe, which is a clever, clever idea, actually. Might steal it. Well, I don't see you trying to take over the world. Yeah. At worst, you know, it would be, you know, a sense of like, okay, now all of us will knit. <laughs> we all become hookers. I crochet. I do both. I, I'm bi-stitchal. I actually do both pretty equally. <laughs> and equally well. I like to describe my dad when he, I like to describe my father as, you know, like, oh, look at all those hoes. Yeah. Because he's a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> Now uh, I'm a farmer, and I dig it. It's a who song. Sometimes I come back to the bathroom and I think to myself, man, I'm no longer full of shit. There you go. My, my, my ready line is, is uh, did everything come out okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five pounds lighter. Yeah. Um, so in the event of both Winter Soldier and Captain America fighting over this Cosmic Cube, um... The Cosmic Cube restores Bucky's memories of being Bucky. And Bucky, overflowing with emotion and remorse, can't stand himself. And attempts suicide by shattering the stone, by shattering the Cosmic Cube. Does he remember that he killed Tony Stark's parents? Um, in the comics, he hadn't killed Tony Stark's parents. Oh, okay. Not that I'm aware of. Not that okay. I've read, necessarily. Oh, okay. Um, but so much as that, like, when he goes to destroy the Cosmic Cube, it actually just teleports him away. And for the next couple of years, he actually spends a majority of his time tracking down the people from the Soviet Union who had, were controlling him at the time and, you know, punishing them and trying to basically kill them. Um, after the events of the comic book Civil War, so this would have been about 2000. Seven two thousand eight ish or so. Um, the very end of the of it here is basically Tony Stark and Iron Man fighting one another, but Captain America basically looks around at all the devastation, all the not only death that's happening with superheroes, but all the damage that they're creating, and basically, you know, you know, basically says, "I surrender." And the idea there for Captain America was basically is like, you know, this you know this fight is literally killing good superheroes, good people at the end of the day, and is causing a lot of destruction. And, you know, this, you know, I, I may disagree with this entire political, I may disagree with this entire registration act, but we can't keep having people dying like this. So he gives up and surrenders himself to the government where he's put on trial and um, in the process of being moved from the prison that he's in to the courthouse he is uh, assassinated that sucks well there's a you know in, he's assassinated in the in the comic books here and the he's assassinated by the red skull who actually shoots him with a um, time bullet which basically kind of locks him in play in time so he appears dead, but he's actually just kind of in a frozen state, I guess is the best way to describe it. He's in stasis. Darn stasis. Um, 
But Bucky actually takes this very, very personally and decides that he's going to go after the Red Skull who shot him and had him assassinated, and he's going to go after Tony Stark. Because Tony Stark is now, at this point in time, is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's actually supplanted Nick Fury. Um, and he believes that it was Tony Stark who had, you know, who caused these events um, and had Captain America killed at the end of the day. Well, you know, Bucky goes and actually tries to beat up the Red Skull and actually fails and actually rescued by Falcon and um, a Sharon Carter, similar mm-hmm. to our Sharon Carter. Okay. Um, and then um, he goes after Tony Stark and actually he's really close to beating up Tony Stark. But then Tony Stark, you know, tells him, you know, like, I heard what Captain America's final wishes were. And his final wish was for me to save Bucky Barnes, you, from your violence and your insanity and madness that you're plummeting down. And, you know, in the way he just, in basically what Tony Stark says in order for him to be able to do that, he needs to become Captain America. So Bucky Barnes becomes Captain America. Interesting turn. So, um, and Bucky Barnes actually agrees to be, um, Captain America here. However, um, he wants all the mental implants, um, and, you know, thought programming taken out of him, which Mm -hmm. they get done. Um, and he doesn't want to be held and he doesn't want to be controlled by either shield the U S government or the U S government or Tony Stark at the end of the day, which Tony Stark agrees to. And so... Bucky, as the Winter Soldier, no longer as the Winter Soldier, as Captain America, dons a very similar costume, you know, gets the shield and acts as um, Captain America for the next three or four years, actually. Um, Even after a point in which um, it's found that, you know, Steve Rogers is alive and is actually, you know, able to take back up the mantle of uh, Captain America, um, Bucky's actually willing to give back up the title to. Steve Rogers with the intention that like, well, you, you're Captain America. I, I was only acting in your place, but Steve is like, no, no, you need to be Captain America right now a lot more because you're now just finally getting the backing of the government. You're on the, you've reinstated the Avengers and you're actually, you know, doing a lot of good now. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been Captain America for more than, for long enough. It's, you, you know, your your turn. turn and you're doing a pretty good job of it as it is. And Captain America kind of acts as like a similar kind of a U.S. agent almost. It wears a, it wears kind of a uniform that's kind of similar to his Captain America outfit, but not really. Um, but he very much makes a point of saying that you know he is not um, Captain America at all. Even when they go, even when he goes to the president here, and he get you know the the president pardons Captain America and not Steve Rogers at the end of the day. Um, but he, you know, but you know, Steve Rogers is like, well, you know, I'm still here for America, and the president's like, I understand, and we'll use you as, accordingly. Um, it's not until. So, do you remember Thor's hammer? Yes. Okay, so um, a big part of Age of Ultron is everyone trying to lift up Thor's hammer at a certain point. And they're and not. None of them can. None of them can because they're not worthy. Yeah. Um, well. The Red Skull tried to get his own hammer at one point. So the Red Skull, I mean, is kind of, um, um, to put it, to put it mildly, loves his mystical stuff here. Any way he can get power quickly. Um, and a lot of that has come through various tools, weaponry, magical stuff here at the end of the day. 
basically super science that creates magic. What he what he ended up doing here is he actually was able to summon a Asgardian hammer from a individual known as Skade, who is the uh, queen of the frost giants. Okay, you, we're getting a little. We're going off again. Like we go off on comic tangents here, but you'll have to follow along. Okay. So I apologize. Um, it's not a big portion of the story, but basically the Red Skull couldn't lift up this hammer at all because he wasn't worthy enough to lift it up. Um, but his daughter, because he has a daughter who's who goes by the name of Sin. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. She's a wonderful little creature here as well. Is able to pick it up, and she decides that she's going to gather other hammers. And give them to other people as well that um, kind of mind control them here. So, like, the Hulk gets one. Um, I, I forget who else gets a couple of... The Thing gets one as well. Um, I, I assume that he should, since her name is Sin, not ha- hammers to be used for good. No. Okay. Um, she actually, you know, with what, her, what she calls her um, worthy, which all these people right. with these Asgardian, you know, godlike powers now, um, goes to D.C., um, to basically take it over. Um, now, Bucky is there as Captain America, but he's getting trounced, and he basically sends a Black Widow, who he's been on and off with a relationship with while as Captain America, uh, basically goes and says, go get more help, I'm going to hold them off, and I get trounced at the end of the day here. It's, it's what is What if Thor and Captain America fought each other at the end of the day, and Thor wasn't holding back? Yeah. You know? Um, and basically it's thought that Bucky Barnes dies at the end of that event. Um, but he didn't. He doesn't because nobody dies. Nobody can stay dead. You've got plot armor. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got a name, apparently you can, you can survive a death. Yeah. Except if your name is Uncle Ben. Poor, poor uncle. Poor Uncle Ben. Um... So, in the process of Bucky's death, Captain America takes back up, you know, Steve Rogers takes back up the mantle of Captain America and um, Iron Man, or when, what he ends up doing is he actually ends up, you know, going with Thor to Asgard to basically convince, you know, Odin here is like, you know, we need to stop this, we need better weapons to do that. So, a bunch of people get, like, Asgardian weapons. So, like, Iron Man gets a, gets a new, you know, um, do you remember the big kind of hulking thing from the first Thor movie? It's kind of got like these little plates and all this fire that's in yeah. it. So everyone kind of gets like weapons akin to that and takes on forms akin to that. So Iron Man, Wolverine, the She-Hulk, uh, Miss Marvel, Doctor Strange. Um, they all get like different kind of Asgardian weapons that they use to, um, you know, defeat the worthy. I think they're called the the Mighty. Mm-hmm. And they defeat them at the end of the day. And Steve Rogers continues to be Captain America um, up until he loses his super soldier formula. But Bucky, who is um, saved by Nick Fury, who gives him something called the Infinity Formula. Ooh. So the Infinity Formula, based off of what is the Elixir of Life, which basically kind of like stops the aging process and leaves you fully intact. Mm -hmm. Um, The Infinity Formula is similar to what would be now the Super Soldier Formula, um, except you have to get new doses of it. So so you need boosters. Yeah, you need to get... You need... Yeah, basically about... So basically what it was is that Nick Fury's actually been around since World War II, like, same thing as 
Captain America and Bucky and to a certain extent here, but he's been active the entire time. And as a result of being active, he found the infinity for found the infinity formula, which allows him to slow down his aging process, keep him at a peak human um, qualities at the end of the day, allows him to keep going. Um, for him though, he had to basically make, he basically was getting, you know, he basically had to strike a bargain up with a person who he didn't want to make a bargain with, who can make the infinity formula and um, has to go back regularly to it there and is actually at certain points blackmailed by the Kai to keep getting the formula, you know? Um, in any case here, um, unlike the Marvel counterpart where like Bucky Barnes apparently did get a super soldier formula from Hydra, it was just, it wasn't noticed, I guess, properly. Um, now with the infinity formula, he's got a pseudo super soldier serum formula in him, but he's got to go back and get regular shots of the infinity formula. Otherwise, um, it doesn't actually work. But at this point here... Um, Bucky, you know, fakes his death so he can kind of be a underground guy again, a secret agent more or less, and returns to his um, identity as the Winter Soldier. Um, so eventually he joins a group, you know, he eventually joins a group called uh, the Thunderbolts, which are all like gun-toting, uh, you know, superheroes. Yeah. Um, he eventually becomes the Man on the Wall, which is a space defense force which um, uh, attempts to stop uh extraterrestrial stuff from coming to earth here like the lat is like kind of like that last barrier sort of thing going on um and eventually he ends up working with um the falcon on a couple different items here as well now having watched um now i have watched uh falcon in the winter in the winter soldier here it's, it's been out for I think at least uh, the last two months at minimum here, or at least the last month here. So it's been out okay. for quite a while. Um, I can assure you that a lot of this will come into play. Okay. A fair, or a fair amount of this. So comes, I, am, I am properly prepped. You are being very properly prepped here and as well as the rest of our audience here. Um, so, so this is basically a primer on how to watch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or, or kind of to notice when stuff when stuff happens. happens. Okay. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that we can't talk about until you finish watching it. Because there's spoilers. Because okay. well, the spoilers, and because like you will have questions, and I don't want to spoil them for you. Okay. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. The episodes are about uh, forty minutes each, give or 35, 40 minutes each. Kind of uh -huh. not too dissimilar to like um, the Wanda Mandalorian. Oh, WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision yeah. and the Mandalorian here. But there's only six of them, so they're not okay. that long. Okay. Um, so it's a very it's a it's a reasonably um, it's it's not too difficult of a watch at the end of the day here realistically, um, but to kind of set the scene for you, um, we were coming into the Marvel timeline here, okay. so um, we're primarily coming right out of Endgame, and I want to say it's probably been about let's say six months after the events of Endgame here, probably. Yeah, or almost maybe a full year, actually. Let's get, let's, so everybody's back. So everyone's back. Um, everyone's in blink back to existence here. Uh, now, obviously, both Sam and Bucky have been gone during the course of the events between Infinity War and Endgame. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're reestablishing themselves in their world here. Okay. You have uh, Bucky, who is... Working with the U.S. government. Now, both of them are classified as Avengers at this point here, so they, they kind of act outside of the military government, but work with them. Mm 
um, because of their status as Avengers. Um, so Bucky is um, working with the U.S. government to find Hydra agents in order to arrest them. So he's trying to make amends. But he's also visiting a, psycho a, psycho a psychologist here to help him with his emotional turmoil at the end of the day. Um, he feels, again, he feels, uh, since he's been able to get the programming out of him here, he feels very guilty for all the murders and stuff that he, and all the people that he's killed over the course of the last couple um, decades, I guess is the best way to put it yeah. here. And he's trying to find a way to make amends for that. Um, Sam, on the other hand, is, you know, being an Avenger. He's working with military governments and, and, and such in order to... Um, facilitate you know things that need to be done protect people here nobody's there's no avenger level threats at all but he's still being you know an everyday superhero i guess for yeah. the military is the, is the best way to describe it here um the real thing that you need to know going into this here however is the grc the global Repa repatriation council so after the snap you know a lot you know they basically in the in the time frame between and infinity war and endgame you know, because 50% of the population disappeared, they basically got rid of borders. So there's no more, you know, a lot of the country's borders were opened up in order to facilitate people just living. You know, yeah. people, you know, who were still around, you know, after a period of time were able to buy new homes, houses, get new apartments, live in new places. And a lot of people who hadn't been families had started to become families at that point here. Um, what do we do about drinking age? Well, I still think because you... some 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 people who were snapped were snapped at the age of sixteen. Well, again, and... the Peter Parker uh, Far From Home or Super Spider Man Far From Home here literally makes the point of saying like the one kid that they met five years ago who was a little shrimp has now grown up to be you know you know a senior in high school while the rest of them are still like sophomores like yeah I remember him in middle school he was so tiny and I look at him it's five years later he's grown to this tall you know yeah. creature at the end of, you know guy at the end of the day. Um, the way they've described it here is that um, it's based off of how old you were now. So again, if you were blipped for five years, you're you don't count like when you were born. They count, you know. There's like a new thing on your driver's license that says when you, if you were blipped or not. Okay. You know, so at you know, like so if you're, you know, so if you got blipped, you're not of drinking age until like you're um, 26 and not 21, I guess. Okay. So. Um, but the council basically was this entire, you know, so what ended up happening here, again, all these people who were in these different countries, different places, are all kind of correlated together and making new families, communities, and everything like that. Well, everyone comes back. And as a part of trying to, you know, so the people that came back, basically, um, you know, almost all their stuff is gone. In many, their many... Their houses are gone. Their apartments their, are gone. Their houses are gone. They're bulldozed or even built burned down or, or somebody else took possession of somebody them. took possession or is living them here and yeah. in order to make those people that got blipped whole the council is basically um you know trying to get these people back to what was normal at the end of the day trying returning them back to the homes in which they purchased bought lived in the places that they lived in trying to get back as much of their stuff as they can you know getting them funds to restart their lives again um to start back for where they left off at the end of the day you know but at the same time, there's a lot of refugees from certain from third world countries, unfortunately, um, that had found new homes, paid for these homes in some cases, 
and are forcibly being removed out of them. Yeah. Losing their jobs for people that were already, you know, that did have these jobs at one point um, and have to kind of be given back their old jobs. Because, again, it's not like they it's not like they did anything wrong. They just weren't there for five years, you know, completely out of, them, out of their own. So it was ended up creating a lot of these refugees in these um, settlement camps here. And a lot of the refugees are not happy because the camps are overcrowded with refugees. They're um, poor infrastructure, poor, you know, not enough supplies for everybody here. Basically like the worst of what would be settlement camps kind of at yeah. the end of the day. Um, and what hasn't really helped here at all is that the G GRC basically is reinstating the borders in countries now. And as a result of re you know, of reestablishing the borders in countries, they're basically at the point now and about to vote on the notion here that, well, we're going to now forcibly deport these people back to the countries of their original origin. So you would end up breaking up a lot of what were these families that got created at the well, end of the day. Well, communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in communities, um, you know, to send them back to places that they haven't lived at for five years. And, you know, may not even know the region or know the, you know, know the people there all. Again, you might have children that have never actually ever been to these places forced to move back to them, you know, in that particular case. And um, what I find very interesting about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is it takes a lot of what is very um, period of peace for us at this time in our, in our, in our world and very much just makes it very, not political, but very relevant and you can see a lot of the analogies and metaphors to stuff that's happening now yeah um so if you go into this knowing that's there then they think that might be a little bit hard easier to swallow and see kind of a little bit to, to understand what the process is mm-hmm. yeah so um that's one of the big factors going into um falcon and the winter soldier now again it's available on disney plus mm-hmm. um Disney Plus, I think, is what's still only about nine bucks a month, give or take, or something. Yeah, it's not it. expensive. Yeah, I have a, I have a membership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, really, again, I think it's a, I think it's a good deal for the amount of stuff that you get here, especially that in a couple later on the summer. I think in July we get uh, either either July or August we get Loki. Which which should be fun. I'm I keep seeing the trailer. I keep seeing a lot of like trailers and and bits of and pieces of it here, like. It's basically like, so Loki took the Space Stone when he was winning uh, during the events of Endgame and created some sort of like time ripple sort of thing that alters time. And apparently there's an agency that deals with that, with time manipulation and people who uh, do time travel improperly, Mm -hmm. you know, um, who who bend the rules with with Owen Wilson or with uh, Owen Wilson in it. Really? Yes. Oh, that could be. It, it looks re- it looks kind of interesting, and I'm really kind of excited to see it here. Um, if only just because um, I have no idea what this is based off of, and I have no idea where any of this is going. And I'm really hoping that we get to see Lady Loki at one point. Oh, what would marry that? Huh? What would marry that? What would marry Loki? Well, no, no. So there's a... Um, so at a certain point here, Loki ends up getting like reborn as as guardians do for whatever reason yeah um, and when he gets reborn he gets reborn as a woman this time so it's like a female version of loki um and it's really kind of interesting it's it, it's a little bit more of an interesting character because she's not she's very more or less um loki at the end of the day but not quite so um evil until much much later on 
But Loki's a fun kind of evil. I mean, you talk about you talk about different forms of chaos. Loki's almost neutral chaos. Yeah, he's a very um, definitely chaos. But yeah, he's, you know, he definitely plays. You know, he definitely plays up whatever is the best for him. Whether that needs to, somebody else needs to die or not in the process doesn't matter as long as he's happy. Yeah, and he's getting what he wants, and he's you know he's in a place that he thinks is the best place for him. So again. Very curious how they're going to um, handle Loki here. It'd be interesting to see if Loki is still a part of the Thor movies or if this is the send-off for Tom Hiddleston and the Loki character at the end of the day. Um, so again, curious about that. We also have um, Black Widow, which is finally going to come out after its you know year-long hiatus of being in uh, purgatory of COVID. Yeah. So that's I think that's coming out here later on here in either late June or July. Um, I think there's and I think they're just biting the bullet and actually just putting that onto um, Disney Plus here at the end of the day. So, uh, but never mind the fact that all the Avenger movies are on there. Um, again, you got WandaVision, which is a cool trip. You've got just I think every Disney thing that's ever been in existence, plus a lot of new stuff that actually when they bought Fox as an example, they they inherited a lot of the Fox catalog as well. So a lot of that is being put onto Disney Plus as well. Well, and it sends me a little email with recommended viewing for this week. And it's always interesting to see what's on there because it isn't just the typical what you think of as Disney fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I mean, like, we forget the fact that like Disney has you know, a couple other different studios uh, with stuff oh, that yeah. they do. You know, like I, I mean, I'd be curious to see if they have a lot of the old Disney, um, Disney afternoon stuff on there, like DuckTales and... Uh, Darkwing Duck, you know. Um, speaking of Darkwing Duck, I found this amazing bird mask. I've given you one as well. Yes. Um, but I found an issue with it. Oh, what's what's up with it? It's not the so mask. It makes it makes you look it, like a, a a quacking duck. It will, yeah, it makes you look like a like a like a bird of some sort. If I were to read, if I, I want to redo the mask, I want to basically figure out how it's made and make it a little bit more squarish looking. So you could be a duck because if you could do that, yeah. I'm doing Darkwing Duck. Yeah. There I'm gonna, go. I'm gonna get, you know, I'm gonna get, um, uh, white, you know, I'm gonna get like, you know, like a white leggings and like bright orange shoes. I'm gonna get the jacket, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get like a white balaclava and with the mask on it here, um, you know, with, yeah. with my duck mask and the purple mask as well as the big giant fedora hat, you know, and I just want to walk around. I just want to walk around, walk around as Darkwing Duck. You know, for not at for, work. Not at work. No, 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 no. For a convention. For a convention. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I wonder if I make you know if I make the leggings you know like a, like a feathery sort of quality to them maybe, but I think that's going a little too far. Because um, the idea here as well is just being able to say like take off the balaclava, take off the duck mask, and just have the visor on, and it's a human version of Darkwing Duck. There you go. You know, so you could do it kind of two different ways. Um, and then you got to have the gas gun that goes along with it. I think that would be cool. Yeah. The problem with the mask is because is my nose. So my so if you don't notice right away, and it takes people long long. It took me a while to fully even notice it myself. My nose is crooked. Yes, your nose is crooked. Always my, has been. Always has been. My my nose crooks to the left ever so slightly. Yeah. But with the way that mask is, because my nose crooks to the left ever so slightly, the tips don't line up. Oh. So they're a little off. I hadn't noticed that. I. I I noticed it a couple times, like, no, this is off. And then I finally realized, oh, that's right, because my nose goes a little to the left. That's why. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'll have to fix. I'll have to build that into the mask if I ever make one of these. And yeah. Make one side just a teeny little bit longer, which will probably happen anyways. There we go. Yeah. So, um, so but again, I, I again, um, Disney Plus I think is a good value if you're interested in Disney related properties. Um, if you're certainly interested in the Marvel based properties, it's the primary way to get it there. Um, I know it's available in a lot of countries here, um, so that's that's how you'll want to enjoy, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier here. But we're gonna put all of our notes here on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com, and then we we continue the conversation as well as our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast, all is one word. And then if you ever want to figure out what we're what we've previously watched or things that we are currently discussing. Or even just want to drop us a line and make any recommendations for future topics, you can let me know at nerd underscore tutorial on Twitter. Um, and then if you have the ability to, if you can, wherever you're listening to this here, whether this is on Spotify, Apple, um, SoundCloud, please leave us a review and give us some stars so that way we can get some more attention for our, the podcast and help other people be nerdy just like us. There we go. But on behalf of myself and my mom, we hope that you guys stay safe out there in these weird times. Then we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.